This is Health Matters with Sipla. Welcome back, everyone. Now, last time on Health Matters, we spoke about female sexual health and the common issue that affect women. This week, we're looking at male sexual health, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Dr. Anthony Smith, a family doctor with a special interest in sexual medicine, based in Cape Town, achieving fellowship through the European Committee of Sexual Medicine, the ex-president and current board member of the South African Sexual Health Association. Doctor, welcome back. Ryan, thank you so much. Now, let's get straight into it. What are the common sexual problems encountered by men? Uh, okay, so men's sexual problems are really very particular. I mean, if you think about this, the, the, the man has to deal with a sexual organ which is visible to everybody. It, you cannot escape it. Yeah whether it works or doesn't work, is going to be clear and obvious to everybody. There's no avoiding it. So, as a result, men are very particularly aware of when things go wrong. In fact, you could almost say hyper-aware. So what are the problems? The two major problems are erectile dysfunction and premature or early ejaculation. Those are the ones that get all the airtime, and those are the ones which men complain about the most and go to doctors the most about. But that's not exclusive of the other kinds of problems which men also have. So low desire is probably the the, the one which is the quietest of all the dysfunctions, Mm -hmm. insofar as men often don't um, discuss that. And in fact, there's almost a stigma for a man to say, I don't have a libido or I don't feel sexually interested. But you'd be surprised how many men do have this problem. And then there's a variety of other sexual problems which are not so much about function, but more about behavior, behavioral issues. We call them compulsive sexual activities, whether it be watching too much pornography or seeking out a variety of different kinds of sexual experiences which are counterproductive to their lives, maybe to their partnerships. So those are the main ones and the ones we see in practice and we see very commonly erectile dysfunction is particularly common and that's maybe the one that's the most famous yes. of all the dysfunctions and, and, and of course Viagra or should I say the PD-5 inhibitors when yes. they first came out yes. really put that in the spotlight. Yeah. So that's really, really common. What causes erectile dysfunction? Aha. <laughs> so, all right. So we're going to break it down into its anatomical parts. Okay. So the, the male penis is really a spongy muscle with a capacity mm. to get filled with a lot of blood. Right. So it fills with blood and then it empties of blood when it fills with blood yes. it's on it, it it becomes erect and then and, and it, but there's a very complex mechanism which is connected to multiple nerves blood vessels which are then connected to the brain and to the spinal cord which are this like choreography of movement to allow all of this to happen. Now, when you're a young man, it kind of happens very easily and you don't even think about it. And then as you get older, you realize it's a little bit more complicated than you thought it was at some particular point. Uh, uh, Though having said that, what is interesting is the increasing amount of young men who are having erectile dysfunction. So erectile dysfunction, what we, what we, what we call it, what we, what we, how we understand it is it's an insufficient erection Mm. for sexual satisfaction and in particular penetration. And it can either happen just you just don't get an erection or the or the erection fades very very quickly such that you can't have satisfactory satisfactory sex and this causes a lot of shame and difficulty and habitually the way that men deal with this is by being quiet withdrawing insofar as they don't speak about it they then get a little bit angry and then they become avoidant of sexual activity altogether and they feel bad 
often about their partners. And we were speaking a little earlier that whenever somebody has a sexual dysfunction, you can't only think about them. So when I see a man yes. coming into yeah. my my office yeah. and we're talking about erectile dysfunction, yeah. in the back of my mind I'm thinking, there's always a partner. Yes. And that partner is struggling and suffering yes. with his or her own issues. Yes. Uh, and they are together presenting to you. Yes. So these are complex phenomena yeah. um, which can occur. But broadly speaking, when we think of erectile dysfunction, in my mind, I think that there's the group of older men who get it right. and there's the group of younger men who get it. So the older men, yeah. it's quite important to understand that this is usually um, a function of the small blood vessels that are going to the penis. And as you get older, especially if you've got blood pressure, if you've got cholesterol, if you've got diabetes, if you're not exercising, if you've got a big bup and you're starting yep. to kind yep. of get a little bit overweight, <laughs> you know, all the little arteries are starting yep. to harden. And, I, yeah. and, you know, we, we call the little penile arteries, they, they, they like um, the little warning signs. The warning signs that something could be going wrong with your arteries because they're the ones that stop working. And so men yeah. who are at high risk of cardiovascular problems will sometimes present for the first time with erectile dysfunction in their 50s or their 60s. And in fact, this can even be a predictor of them being at risk for heart attacks at a later stage. So we always take that really, really seriously. So that's the one group yes. of older men. Right. And then there's the group of younger men who obviously are, are, are well, though they could be on medication. Got you. And with increasing amounts of mental health issues yes. in younger people, increasing amounts of people are on SSRIs, Got you. the Prozac-like medications, Absolutely. the Leximals, the yeah. Zolofts, yeah. the Surdeps, all of those. And those medicines really also cause yeah. sexual dysfunction. But mm. they come in, and often it's about young people having the kinds of expectations yeah. about sexual performance Absolutely. which are really a little bit not you yeah. know they're not realistic Absolutely. and if you are having a lot of casual sex yes. rather than having committed sex which is a bit of a trend in young generations today with the easy access of partnerships via kind of online dating etc yes. suddenly that becomes the focus of of who you are mm -hmm. and what you are is how your penis works right. and i mean that really is the central issue over here that we're talking about is sure. that men then start yeah. to think about their penis yeah. the rest of their body is somewhere else awesome. in another room Absolutely. maybe it's doing something else entirely but the penis isn't working and then it's a catastrophe and then really the amount of suffering struggle and shame mm -hmm. that associated with that really can escalate so it's a major issue absolutely and, and and then and then you you have unnecessary extra pressure on you because i think once you start focusing on anything it becomes almost impossible to do it uh so then you start becoming you know even more aware of the fact and more aware and it ends up you know it's almost like a ripple effect exactly so there's this thing called spectatoring that happens it happens right. with men and women yes but so just imagine you are with your partner you're starting sexual activity you're just starting touching each other and usually you'd imagine this would be yes. like a, a precursor to, to pleasure yeah but it's Arousal. not yeah but it's not because suddenly you are thinking oh is it gonna work is it not gonna, not gonna work, work? Oh. it's gonna happen yeah and then you're like on the top watching down going hmm now that's not really working out very well so, what yeah. am i gonna do now let me think of something, yeah. let me bring up an image. Yeah. And so you're starting to micromanage your brain, yeah. you're worried, and you are totally out of the moment. Absolutely. And your capacity to engage, and then your partner feels, where's my partner? Where have I gone? He's yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not really having sex with my, my partner here. I'm having sex yeah. with a penis, which isn't which even is, working particularly well. Well, <laughs> absolutely. Add to that the modern-day pressures of us having me medicine and, and, and technology available to, our, to ourselves to uh, plan things like ovulation cycles, where as a male partner, you're under extreme pressure to make a, uh, utilize a yes. window period.
period yes. that is only an hour or two long in the day. And the amount of pressure, I think, that some males and certain males feel about using that window um, and using that one day of the month as optimally as possible. It's a lot of pressure. And men don't talk about that. Men don't talk yes. about, yes. I've got this day. It's coming up. I know it is. I've got to perform. On that day, otherwise, I mean, the amount of pressure yes. that you're going through to have to get it right in that window um, to, to fall pregnant, for example. Precisely. And that's an incredibly good example of how an external pressure, a psychological pressure, yeah. really feeds into performance anxiety. Yes. You know, and, and when you start having to put those lines on yourself, we, we talked in the last podcast about kind of outcomes-based sexual activity. You know, this is a perfect outcome. What am I looking for now? I'm looking to tick the box, have sex at the particular window when it's going to occur. Let's just get it done. It's very important. Everybody's anxious about what's going to happen next. Didn't the fertility treatment didn't work the last two times? We better make it work this time Absolutely. and and then you, there you go now where's the pleasure in that Absolutely. and then the pathways between your brain yeah. and your penis start to become anxious pathways they start to become kind of fossilized in they become crystallized and yeah. less malleable and less adaptable which is what you need for good sex spontaneity yes. and play yes. and the capacity to relax into your body yeah what are the best treatments for erectile dysfunction so we are lucky to have um, medication which really, really helps. Now, maybe one could argue that one shouldn't go straight to the medication okay. because because the, well, I'm going to come to the medication in a moment because right. there are behavioral issues. So the, the, the one bit of advice and basic education, mm. which is really important for yes. everybody, is to know a little bit about how the body works and also to try to move away from a kind of penetrative penis-based sexual activity what we call outer course rather okay. than inner course it's when you realize your whole body is a sexual organ and you need to take the pressure off of yourself so that your performance isn't the measure of how good you are as a sexual person put that aside we do use medications to help sure. you could almost call it we use them often therapeutically as a, a kind of a as, a as a bandage to help people through the period where yes. they need to regain their sexual um uh, confidence. Sure. So, so these medications, PD5 inhibitors, allow the blood to pool into the penis, and they, with stimulation. So yep. many people think that these medications, you take them, and automatically, and boom, boom, that's, yeah, that's yeah. going to all just yeah. kind of, you know, you're going to have to run for cover. Yes. But it's not like that. No, you need stimulation. Yes, and but they do work very, very well. Yeah. Uh, people do worry about addiction. Are you going to get used to it or not? Often people will use the medication mm. briefly to give them confidence and they'll get back into back the into scheme of things. Now, Absolutely. older men may need it more commonly and, right. and they may need it. Yeah. And, but that's also fine. Yeah. And then they utilize it like that. There are other meta, me, methods as well. There's injectable, injectables. Right. There's vacuum-assisted pumps. Okay. And for people who are the most severe end of the spectrum, and I yes. have to say this is very rare, yeah. there's even penile implants. Okay. Um, Premature ejaculation, what causes that? So that is when your ejaculation is so quick that you're unable to satisfy your partner and often either prior yes. or just shortly after penetration. And it causes a lot of distress. Yes. And the causes are 
dual. The first is that some people are really just wired like that. Yeah. They've been like that since they started sexual activity because they and and and, and the, the stigma and the shame that many people feel is often disproportionate to the fact that that's really just who they are. And they often feel that they're really shortchanging their partners. Mm. Yeah. But their partners often are not particularly worried sure. as worried as they are they themselves. Are. So one reason is just the nervous system and the way that it's wired in in people. But a lot of the time it's due to a inexperience and just having an excitability and a sympathetic nervous system that becomes a little bit kind of overwhelmed. So young men who are maybe starting off on their sexual career, you could say, are becoming, um, you know, they may become a little bit overexcitable and then may ejaculate a little bit too quickly. But you also, it can also happen if you have another sexual dysfunction. So if you've got erectile dysfunction, you start to kind of shut off, worry that you're not going to have sufficient erection, uh, and then your brain kind of short circuits, and then you have a quick ejaculation as a result. What are the best treatments for premature ejaculation? So the, the best really are behavioral techniques. Okay. Yeah. And there are medicines that can help you. The behavioral techniques are really about taking the pressure off of yourself so you can reconnect with pleasure yeah. rather than focusing on the kind of catastrophe of the early ejaculation. Mm. But we also sometimes use medications like SSRIs, antidepressants, because they have the useful side effect Mm. of delaying your ejaculation a little bit. And then there's a variety of creams and there's a variety of other um, methodologies which are not as successful, but it's really about allowing the person to understand that their expectations must be reasonable because many people have especially younger people have unreasonable expectations and being able to calm their nervous system so that they get back into their bodies as a whole and realize Mm. that their entire bodies are sexual organs not just their penises how comfortable are men when it comes to talking to doctors about sexual problems? Are we seeing them, uh, or, or, or is it typically, and I don't want to say typically because uh, uh, the men that I know uh, don't seem to want to be openly, you know, open about about anything related. You know, you get this kind of, I'm okay, you know, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong with me. That kind of a hard, stubborn attitude yes. that seems to be stereotypical, I guess, of, of, of men. It, it is. It is, a, it is something of a stereotype, but, these, but it's got a basis in truth because... Yeah. Because it really is to admit shame and failure and to admit that to somebody else is an incredibly embarrassing thing. And the other thing is, once again, they don't necessarily have the words and the means to be able to describe and put and, and actually say what it is that's happening to them. Younger people are much better. They're exposed to sexuality and they're speaking amongst themselves to a degree which allows them to have a language. But your older, more traditional men really have difficulty. And that's why, I mean, certainly in, in, in my practice, when you start talking about cardiovascular health and you're talking about the way you start to instrumentize it uh, you talk about blood vessels how the blood vessels work how's the it's a hydraulic it's a pump how so you can open up and have a conversation which is very specific and almost a little bit mechanical yeah. and that's a really good way to bring it up to your doctor yes. you can just say well, it's not working why is it not working and then you can have a very tangible conversation which can then lead to maybe more complex emotional issues which also often accompany the problem now this is the most i think common because i remember going for a blood test and being told your testosterone levels are on the low side and it started then ringing a bell as to why I felt a certain way, why I felt a certain way when I was 20, 
why I felt a different way when I was 30 and why I'm now feeling a different way when I'm 40. Because that magical testosterone year by year keeps slowly depleting. Yes, yes. I mean, you've got your little level of testosterone that's just getting slower and lower and lower and lower. And, and it's, a, it's, it's a very interesting thing. It, testosterone is vital yes. for, uh, for, for your libido in particular. Yes. Your sexual thoughts, your anticipation, and your motivation for sexual activity, but as well as it provides almost like a scaffolding for your receptivity, because your your erections, your libido, orgasm is a very complex thing which interacts with multiple neurotransmitters and hormones within your body. But testosterone is like the bedrock for all of it and is really, really required. But it's more complicated than just your levels sure. because it's also how it interacts with your receptors. There's many men out there who may feel a low libido sure. and they don't feel particular, particularly sexual, but their testosterone levels are normal. And there are other men out there who have relatively low testosterone, but actually their receptors work and the way their brain is wired is such that they have an absolutely adequate libido. And the other interesting thing to note is that a younger person may have fewer sexual issues but will suffer more as a result of their concern about their sexuality. But you get the older men and as they go, they realize that the equipment isn't always going to work so well. They become <laughs> much more philosophical about it. Yes. No, it's okay. So, okay, next time it's good. So, you know, there's this wisdom that comes with age yes. whereby you kind of realize, okay, your T's a little bit on the lowish side um, and you can, you know, can accommodate it. But for those who truly have measurable mm. low testosterone, yeah. taking testosterone or having it supplemented by a doctor in the right way, because many people also abuse testosterone, yes. but using it in the right way really can add a, a massive amount to your, your strength, your libido, your desire for sex, and your, just your feeling as a kind of a potent male. Yeah. Sexual health should be chatted like you and I are chatting now. It should happen whenever we feel we can talk uh, or, or need to talk about it. We should be able to talk like you and I are doing right now, doctor, because this is this makes for good listening. It makes for a great podcast. And hopefully, if you're in that p a position where you're kind of wondering, should I, shouldn't I, there's no harm in going to go see your doctor, your physician, your specialist, sitting down and saying, doctor, listen, this is where I am. This is what I'm battling with at the moment. There's no shame whatsoever. And in actual fact, the more you and I can keep breaking down the stigma attached to having these conversations, the better I think all males and females will be uh, in terms of their sexual health. So, Absolutely, Ryan, for sure. Thank you so much, Doctor. Dr. Anthony Smith is with us this time round again, talking about uh, male and female sexual health. Today was about male sexual health. Go back, give a listen to the previous podcast on female sexual health, health if you missed that. And uh, keep subscribing to Health Matters. It's brought to you by Sipler. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, remember to rate, review the show, and we'll be back soon with more episodes. Health Matters, in association with Sipler. Check your favorite podcast app for the latest episode.